Welcome to the Chapel Young Adult Weekly Service, a ministry of Chapel in Florence, Alabama. We believe that you are here for a reason. If you haven't already, connect with us on Instagram at WeAreChapelYA to get regular updates. And join us weekly on Tuesday nights at 6.30 at the Student Building on campus at Chapel on Cloverdale Road in Florence, Alabama. Hey, can we get it up for Gorby? Who was here last week and heard, heard Gorby bring the word? He did an incredible job. Uh, just awesome. Uh, love you, brother. And uh, yeah, it is good to see all you guys tonight. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, like you said, I'm Pastor Jason. I think I've met most of you, all of you at this point. Uh, but just in case, uh, my name is Jason. Um, I don't always have a mustache. This is uh, just to aggravate my wife. Um, she, it's her least favorite thing in the world, and so I do it every once in a while just to let her know uh, who is boss, who is still in charge. She is not here, so I can say that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so if you don't recognize me next week, it's because I don't have a mustache. I'm still the same guy. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good night tonight. We are still in our series on 1 John, so we're just working our way through little by little. Uh, we've been doing that for the last month or so. We're uh, about halfway through chapter 2, um, and so I've been super blessed just as, as I've been preparing and studying 1 John, and, and hopefully it's been something that has encouraged you guys, challenged you guys, and, and blessed y'all as well. Um, again, Gorby did an incredible job last week with, with his message that he talked about, um, just the love of Jesus, how that is our commandment, and how we have to have, if we can, before we really can understand love and truly show love, we have to understand the way that Jesus loved us on the cross. And so it was just a great message, and uh, I'm excited about the message tonight. So we're in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Um, the title of my message tonight is called Mutually Exclusive. So mutually exclusive. I know some of y'all under like are familiar with that term. Probably most of you. Um, it's a super like nerdy sounding title to this message. I'm not a math guy, so this is not going to be a lot of math at all. Uh, really zero math. But that's the title of this message. Um, mutually exclusive. So if you've got your Bibles with you, we'll go ahead and we will read this passage really quickly. First uh, John chapter two. Verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Lord, we love you. God, thank you so much. Just for this word, God, thank you that your word never returns void. Thank you that it's alive and it's breathing. God, it's still speaking to us. So tonight, I pray that you would just soften our hearts, Lord, that we would hear what you have to say, God, that we would uh, just allow it to change us Lord, from the inside out. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So mutually exclusive. Um, for those of you that may not be familiar with this term, I'll just give you a quick definition. Uh, it is a statistical term describing two or more events that cannot happen simultaneously. So if you've ever taken a statistics class, anybody taking statistics right now? Any of my UNA students? Wow. Uh, bless you. Um, 
but you're familiar with this term. So like a couple of examples of things that would be mutually exclusive. Um, easy ones to think about are like a coin toss, right? You flip a coin, and it is either heads or tails, right? There is no way that it could ever be both. That makes it mutually exclusive. Or you think about a light switch. You know, we talked a few weeks about a few weeks ago about living uh, in the light, getting out of the dark. A light switch, though, it is either on or it's off. Okay, there's no there's no in between. It can't be both. So that's mutually exclusive. Now there are also, you know, real life examples like decisions in our life. Uh, some that are mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. That's hard to say. Uh, some that are not. So here, just some quick examples. Going to pull the room really quick. Of these are some things that you may have strong opinions about, but they're not necessarily exclusive. So, um, like one example would be Slim Chickens versus Zaxby's, right? So, uh, Zaxby's people. Let's see. Let's see your hands. You're taking Zaxby's over Slim Chickens, and then Slim Chickens over Zaxby's. All God's people said. It's so much better, and I love Zaxby's. Like Zaxby's, before Slim Chickens was built right here across the street, I was, no lie, eating at Zaxby's like two or three times a week. And since Slim Chickens has been built, I think I've been to Zaxby's one time. Um, so my Slim Chickens rewards points are popping off. Uh, life is good. But that's not mutually exclusive because at the end of the day, you can still have both, right? You may have your favorite, but... You don't have to choose one or the other. Um, the, uh, the next one, another one would be Coke versus Pepsi, right? Is there anyone in the room, uh, no shame, maybe a little bit of shame, that prefers Pepsi to Coke? Really? Wow. It depends. What does it depend on? No, there's not. Coke is the objective answer. Okay, so this is point proven. This one is not mutually exclusive either. There is a right answer, but you can still have both, okay, if you really want to have both. Um, the next one would be dogs versus cats. Where's my, where's my cat people at? They're on the back. Are y'all the only two, really? No one else just wants to me to shame them from the platform. And then, of course, dogs, God's chosen animals. Um, you can have both, though. You don't, you can, I know plenty of people that have both dogs and cats as pets. So those are just some, some life decisions that aren't mutually exclusive. Some that are, okay? And this is where we're really about to uh, get divisive here. Um, the toilet paper situation, right? So there's two options for toilet paper. It's got to either come over or it's got to go under, right? Anyone who here intentionally puts the toilet paper where it rolls under? Anybody? Really? You didn't want to raise your hand. Was it? You know it's wrong. You, you've, you've probably heard me say this before, but probably... The thing, like, and I didn't know this about Reagan until we got married, but probably her biggest flaw, her only flaw, we'll even say her only flaw, <laughs> is, I pick on her a lot, so her only flaw is that it's not that she does it 
the wrong way. Um, it's that she just, for her, it doesn't matter. She'll just do it one over one day, and then the next day it's under, and it's just like, pick a side. Like, I need her to, if you're going to be wrong, just be wrong all the time. I can't deal with the chaos. It's madness. Um, the correct answer is over, uh, by the way. And that is, I would consider that mutually exclusive because at least at, the, at one point in time, it can't be both, right? Um, so I said this on Sunday, really ruffled a lot of feathers, um, had a lot of people upset, but beans and chili. So I'm of the belief that beans should not be in chili. But there are a lot of people that feel strongly the other way, and that's mutually exclusive because they're either in there or they're not. In one given bowl of chili, it either has beans or it doesn't. Uh, I'm not going to ask you guys because I know I'm probably in the minority here. Um, but thank you. I appreciate it. It's chili. The obvious one, the more controversial one is pineapple on pizza. Um, where, who likes, who eats pineapple on their pizza? No. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, and look, same thing with the chili. It's either on there or it's not. So it can't be, it can't be both. Uh, this one, throwing it back a little bit, but, uh, back to like, for me, it was like sixth or seventh grade. But I remember when these movies came out or the books came out, this was a super, controversial topic, and people either were really strong one way or really strong the other. So we have Edward or Jacob. Edward? Where's, where's my Edward people? Edward? You're the only one? Everybody else is Team Jacob? I mean, people had strong opinions about this, um, and it was one or the other. Um, and then the, the last one, sleeping with socks. Versus sleeping with not. Who, who in the room sleeps with socks on? I don't know. How? How? Your dorm room is gross. Clean it. I mean. <laughs> Ugh, that's rough. But they're either. Your socks are either on or they're off, right? Um, and unless, unless maybe you did one on, one off. And then you're seriously a psychopath. Um, I don't, hopefully, I'm not even going to ask because I don't want to know if any of you do that. But that one's mutually exclusive, right? They're, your socks are either on or they're off. Um, no, we already talked about that. We're not. No. Uh, that's not, not an acceptable answer. But tonight what we're talking about, the, the mutually exclusive decision that we are dealing with tonight is loving God or loving the world. Loving God or loving the world, these, these things are mutually exclusive. My first point is this, we are incapable of loving both. We're not able to do it. So it's not just that we shouldn't or that God would, would rather us not, it's that we can't. He doesn't tell us Hey, you can love the world as long as you just love me more. And why is that? It's because he knows that eventually 
one will have to give way to the other. We look at the text, verse 15, it says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If that's not clear enough for us, James 4.4 says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So pretty clear, pretty clear there. Not a whole lot of room for misinterpretation there. And you may say, no, I mean, not me. I, I have a lot of love to give. I can love God. I, I mean, I really, really love God, but I also love sports. I mean, it's, it's football season. People really, really love their college football. Or, you know, I also love movies or TV shows. I mean, I love The Office, right? Anybody, any Office fans, like, you know, I can love God and I can love these other things. And I think it's important to understand the type of love that we're talking about here, the type of love that John is specifically using in this text. Because we use the word love, I think, very flippantly today. We just toss that word around very casually. Um, and that's not always such a bad thing. Um, but the word that is used here is the Greek word agapao. I believe I'm saying that right. And you've probably heard the root word of that being agape. But the specific word that John uses for love is agapao. And agapao means an unconditional, sacrificial type of love. That's the type of love that, that we're talking about. Um, I, if you know me, you know I really love food. I love specifically like barbecue. I love to, to grill and to smoke meat. Um, I have an entire album on, of pictures on my phone uh, just titled Meat Picks, okay? That's not a lie. Um, I have easily more pictures of meat that I have cooked on my phone than I do uh, of Reagan, which is, which is sad, I understand. But I love food. I love everything about it. I love the process of cooking it. I love uh, to eat it. Um, but what I don't get to do is I don't get to say that I love food and I also really love being in shape, right? Um, clearly, you can look at me and tell which one I truly love. Um, but I don't, get to, I don't get to claim to truly love both of those things. Why? Because those two things are on a collision course, right? Eventually, I'm going to have to sacrifice one or the other. If I really love to work out and, and you know, be in shape and look good or feel good, then eventually that love for brisket is going to have to kind of take a back seat. Or if I choose the route of food, then you know, maybe I just have to deal with the fact that I'm not going to ever have a six-pack. I'm not ever going to uh, you know, look like, uh, I don't know, I was going to think of somebody that had a six-pack and then felt like that would be weird if I named somebody that, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I have to, one of those things is going to have to make way for the other. And in the same way, if we love the world, but we love God, those, those two things are on a collision course. And you may not have to feel like you have to choose right this very moment 
But there will come a day you'll have to make that choice. We have to know this. We will either sacrifice our love for the world at the altar of God, or we will sacrifice our love for God at the altar of the world. We will either sacrifice our love for the world at the altar of God, or it's going to happen the other way around. One of these two things will happen. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. If we read on, John, he points out three specific things, three things that I believe, um, I'm calling them the three poisons. So we're going to look at these three poisons. We're also going to look at, at their antidotes. And I don't know how, how many of you grew up watching cartoons as kids. Like, I loved Tom and Jerry as a kid. Uh, it's just a classic. And one thing that I think about when I think about Tom and Jerry is, uh, like a bottle of poison, right? It always was so clearly poison. It always had, what was it? Just a picture of like a skull and crossbones. It was always very like scary looking and it's like, why would anyone in their right mind actually drink this? There's no question that this is bad. Um, the unfortunate thing is that in real life, poison isn't always so easy to spot. Poison, in real life, often looks pretty close, pretty similar to the real thing, right? Because the enemy has gotten very, very good at counterfeiting what's real, counterfeiting something that God has given us as a gift, and, and getting it just close enough so that we will actually be enticed enough to drink the poison, so these three poisons, these three categories that, that John mentions in this text, we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. So the first one, the lust of the flesh. What is that? The lust of the flesh, I believe, is anything that would fall under the category of instant gratification, right? Uh, and we live in a world today that's very, very centered on instant gratification. We, we are not a very patient group of people anymore. Um, and the world tells us, hey, if it, if it feels good, just do it. Just go for it. Whatever feels right. That's instant gratification. That could look like a, a bunch of different things. That could be material things or, or money. That can be like physiological factors, physiological drivers. And these these are powerful things, things like hunger, right? Anybody in here ever get a little hangry? You get hungry and you just straight up are a different person till you get some food and you will do anything to get that food. You will say whatever you have to say. Uh, you will just do things that you didn't think you were even capable of doing when you get hungry enough. Or anger, right? That's another one. It's a it's a very human reaction, and you feel it. You feel it in your body. You, get, you feel the blood rushing through your veins. You, you feel just yourself getting just hot. And it's a, it's a physiological response that sometimes just feels like, I mean, I, don't, I didn't have any control. I just, I just lost all control. I was so mad. I was so angry. Then there's sexual desire, right? It's another one. It's a, that's a physiological response that our bodies. God designed us to respond in certain ways to certain 
to certain things. And in this world of instant gratification, when we, when we get these urges, whether it be sexual or, or whatever else, we get these urges, they're powerful. They're so powerful. And it's easy to convince ourselves that there's just, I can't do anything about it. That's just, that was just how I was feeling. I, I couldn't control it. Our flesh is powerful. The antidote for the lust of the flesh is discipline. Self-control. What is discipline? That's doing what you don't want to do, or it's not doing what you do want to do because you know there's something better. I've heard it said this way. Discipline is deciding between what you want now and what you want most. Those two things a lot of times aren't the same. Discipline is hard. I've talked to a lot of people that just, they say, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not disciplined. That's just not who I am. It's not who any of us are. Being disciplined is not just a natural gift that you either have or you don't. That's something that takes work. It's something that you have to decide, I am going to do this. Or I'm not going to do this, whatever the case may be. Every disciplined person was at one point an undisciplined person before they decided to be disciplined. That is the antidote for the lust of the flesh. One very practical tool to spiritual discipline that we, we try to encourage here at chapel, we try to practice it corporately and, and encourage people to practice it individually is fasting. We normally do a, a church-wide fast at the beginning of the year. That's a pretty common thing. A lot of churches do that. But um, there's a lot of great spiritual benefits to fasting, to going without food, whether that's going without food altogether or just certain, certain meals or certain types of things, whatever. There's lots of benefits to that. But one of the greatest benefits of fasting, one of the things that, that's so helpful for us, I've heard Pastor Bobby say this, it's fasting trains your flesh to submit to your spirit. Because again, hunger, it's one of those things that, I mean, we all get hungry. And when we get hungry, it's, I mean, it is an overpowering sensation. But fasting trains your flesh to submit to your spirit. And that's such an important tool. That's something that if you can train yourself to do that with your hunger, you can train yourself to do that in every other area of your life as well, whether it be sexual sin or, or whether it be just other feelings that, that when they come on, they're, they're so strong. But if you've trained your flesh to submit to your spirit, you can be disciplined. You can fight the lust of the flesh. The next one is the lust of the eyes. And this, I think, would be any desire that stems from these two things right here. Anything that, we, that starts visually, anything that we behold that then turns into a desire, then can become a lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes are the things that, that start right here. The obvious, when we, we've already mentioned it a little bit, but you think about like sexual lust, that's a lot of times, it starts here. It starts with something that we've seen. But it doesn't just have to be that. It can be even coveting things that, that your friends have. You see what they have, you see, I don't have that thing. 
creates problems. It, it gets you feeling all types of ways. The next, there's other things like comparison. And I mean, social media is so dangerous for this specific thing. You're looking on Instagram, you're comparing, man, this person's life, it just, man, they just got it so much better than me. This person has it all figured out. Man, look at this, this girl or this guy that they're dating. Man, I'm still single. And it all started because of something that you saw, something that you allowed to, to enter into your mind, enter into your heart through these things right here. So what is the antidote? I think about horses and when they're, when they're racing and the jockeys are on them, what do they have on? They have blinders on. So they're not seeing what's to the right or to the left of them. And I think blinders can be the antidote for the lust of the eyes. Not necessarily actually wearing blinders, although if that's what you need to do, then by all means, get you a pair of blinders. But I just mean protecting your eyes at all costs. Because you know, just like I know, once it's up there, it's hard, so much harder to deal with. And I understand we'll never be able to completely shut out and completely protect ourselves from, from every possible visual thing that could cause us to stumble. But there are a lot of things that we can protect from. The things that we can control, the things that we can guard against, it's so important. Filter out as much as you can. What we watch matters. Whether that's you're on you know, websites you don't need to be on, but maybe it's even not that deep. Maybe you think, oh, I'm not, I'm not actually looking at straight-up porn. It's just a TV show or a movie that's got some stuff in it. That's dangerous. Social media can be poison. It can be so toxic. If you need to delete social media off your phone for a season or, or for good, I'll just say I, I, I'm on Facebook because I'm old, but I have not had Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat for probably five or six years now, and I cannot begin to tell you just how much freer I have felt. And that's not, I'm not saying you have to do that. That's just for me. It was such a helpful thing. But what you allow in to your mind through these two portals right here, it matters. Protect what you can. Filter out what you can. And the third one is the pride of life. And this one's tricky because it's this one can be easy to disguise. It can be easy to Disguise this just as ambition or drive. But often those things are rooted in insecurity. Pride of life it looks like pursuing titles. There's nothing wrong with trying to, to work hard and, and climb the ladder. But if your goal, if your motivating factor is because you think that a piece of paper on the wall or a few letters after your name are going to define your worth, you're always going to feel empty. It's never going to be enough. Or pursuing 
the praise of man. Let's be honest. Praise of man feels so good, doesn't it? We love when people gas us up. And that's good. We should encourage one another. But that can be poisonous. You get addicted to that feeling. You start doing things that you, you wouldn't normally do, doing things you know you shouldn't do just to, just to get, that, get that little feeling. And it's like chasing the wind, trying to pursue the praise of man. We're such fickle creatures. We change our minds so much. What pleases somebody today is not going to please them tomorrow. If we pursue favor with God over favor with man, you may get both. We see in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, people who their primary goal was to find favor with the Lord. And the Lord blessed them with favor with him, but also favor with man. If you pursue favor with God, you may get both. If you pursue favor with man over favor with God, you likely will get neither. Book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. We did nothing to earn salvation. That's something that we've talked about week after week. We never could have earned it. Thank God he never asked us to earn it. So we have no reason to boast, which brings us to the antidote for the pride of life, which is radical humility. See, we have to understand that we will be humbled. It's just a matter of by whom, right? And I can tell you from personal experience, it hurts a whole lot less if you will humble yourself instead of waiting for God to do it. Because he will. If you... Exalt yourself, God will humble you. But again, we see all throughout the Bible that if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. But we will be humbled. And humility is less about having a low view of yourself, right? You don't have to just be down on yourself, think negatively about yourself, have poor self-esteem or poor self-image. That's not humility. It's not about having a low view of yourself just more about having a right view of Christ. When we see Jesus rightly, we will gladly humble ourselves before him. When we see him sitting on the throne as the one who died for our sins, purchased us with his blood, it will be our joy to lay our pride down to get on our face before him and worship him as king. When we have the correct view of Jesus, the way we view ourselves falls right in line. So what do these three things have in common, the, the three poisons? 
This passage tells us what these things have in common is that they're temporary. It says, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Loving the world is a bad investment. He's telling us here, we know ahead of time, these things are going to fade away. The world is attractive. It's flashy, it's, it's pretty, but beauty fades. If you're single in here, even if you're, if you're dating, that's something that I hope you understand is that if the way that someone looks is the primary motivator for whether or not you're interested in them, that's going to fade. The world is passing away. God is not. To my final point tonight is that we have the choice, but we have to choose. And Abby, you don't, you don't have to play. I'm sorry. I forgot to set it up for you. Um, my last point is we have the choice, but we have to choose. I don't know if any of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but um, I don't know if any of you have ever been, ever been played by, you know, someone of the opposite sex. Um, I have. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, it was a girl that I was dating in high school. Um, she was a year older than me, and so I thought that I was hot stuff talking to a girl who was, who was older. Um, I think she saw that I thought that and saw a great opportunity to take advantage of me, um, made it way too easy for her. But uh, I had my best friend at the time. His name was, his name was David. Um, and uh, I remember, like it was yesterday, we were sitting. It was like our high school, our memory day for our high school. We were sophomores. I believe she was a junior. And uh, David also knew this girl, um, they were friends. They'd gone, gone to church together. And uh, he and I hadn't really, I hadn't really talked to him yet about this girl. We weren't, like, dating yet. It was still pretty early stages. Um, you know, I was trying to, trying to play it cool. Um, and uh, I'm sitting next to David at this memory day thing. It's for the seniors that year. You know, school's pretty much done for the year. And so I'm texting, and I'm texting this girl. And she's, she's finally, you know, finally starting to say things like, yeah, you know, I, I really do like you. I really do want to date you. Like, you know, I'm, I, I like you a lot. Let's, let's, you know, move forward with this. And I look over, just happened to look over at David's phone. He had his phone out also. And it's like, huh, that's really interesting. He's talking to someone with the same name. Um, and like, it was, I'm not like, I don't, make a habit of reading other people's messages or anything, but it was, they had the lights down and his phone was bright. And I just kept, <laughs> kept seeing his phone light up. My phone was lighting up right around the same time. It was like, it's really weird. And I think he kind of was doing the same thing. He was looking at my phone. And it's like, we were starting to, you know, it was worth asking, right? It was worth like, let's just rule this out. Um, this is not, we're not texting the same person, are we? Um, we most certainly were. 
Not only that, she was, I think, sending the exact same messages. It was like, could it, might as well have just put us in a group text. Um, it, was, um, it was brutal. I was dumb enough to actually still date her after that. He, was, he did the smart thing and was like, no, I'm, I'm done. So if, this is, if you're ever in this position... Um, this was this person was not Reagan, by the way. Uh, just people sometimes ask if I tell stories like this. This was not Reagan. She would never do this. She's the perfect woman. Um, but I was I was still dumb enough to proceed. Um, and this girl, she was I guess happy just to get what she could have at that point. She knew that she couldn't have both. And that's, that's where we are in this situation. We have the choice, but we do have to choose. The book of Joshua, the last chapter, chapter 24, Joshua is nearing the end of his life, the end of his leadership. And in chapter 24, verse 14, he's telling the Israelites, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But he says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell, in, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua is saying you have the choice. Serve God, me and my house, we're going to serve God. But if, it's, if that's evil in your eyes, you don't want to serve God, serve, you can serve all these other gods, the gods of your fathers, whoever else. But you have to choose. And we have a choice, but we can't have it both ways. We can't worship God and worship the world. We can't serve God and serve the world. We cannot love God, truly love God, and also love the world at the same time. Because he is either Lord of all of your life, or he's Lord of none of it. He's either Lord of every single part of who you are, or he's not Lord at all. God is not satisfied with partial custody, with partial ownership. He is a jealous God. And guess what? He has the right to be because he paid for you. And he paid for all of you. When he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that's a steep price. He was paying for every single part of you. So he is either Lord of all of your life or he's not Lord of any of it. So we have the choice, but we have to choose. So if you guys just would, would bow your heads with me tonight. I'm not going to ask anybody to, to raise their hand or, or come down to the front tonight or anything like that, but I just want to encourage you right now in this moment just to just begin to ask the Lord. What are the things that, 
that I'm putting in your place. For some of you, that may be easy. It may be an obvious thing. Maybe you've been thinking about this thing from the moment I started talking and you knew the Lord was pointing it out to you. But for some, for some of you, it may not be quite so easy to identify. It may not be quite so clear and obvious. But just ask him to expose it. He's a jealous God. He's not, he's not going to just let you go on. If, if you really want him to show you what these things are, I promise he will. Because there's only room for one on the throne of our hearts. So, Lord, we just come before you tonight. God, we just ask you, Lord, would you show us the things? the things of this world that we have allowed to take your place. The things that, that we've grown so comfortable with. The things we've become so attached to. The things that we don't even, we don't even notice are there anymore. Lord, we know that those are the things that hurt the most to let go of. God, we're asking you tonight, Lord. We're giving you permission to prune us. But we know that you prune those who you love. God, so whatever these things are that are in your space, God, we ask you, would you just, would you prune those things? Would you take them from us? Would you show them to us? Expose them, Lord. God, give us the strength to lay them down. God, give us the strength to, to be disciplined. To train our flesh to submit to our spirits. God, give us the strength to protect our minds, protect our eyes, God, to, to be careful about what we allow in. God, give us humility. Help us to see you rightly, see you for who you are. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you're a good God. God, we thank you that you first loved us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. Connect with us through Instagram at wearechapelya or come visit us at Chapel in Florence.